This is Channel 253. In this episode of Interchangeable White Ladies. There was this kind of, this figure being thrown around the NYPD. They were thinking about cutting the NYPD budget by 16%. You're like, 16%? That doesn't seem like very much money. 16% of the NYPD police budget is $1 billion. Interchangeable White Ladies podcast is sponsored by Alaska Airlines. We, we fly, fly Alaska. Alaska. Book your next flight on alaskaair.com. One, two, two. Interchangeable White Ladies. One, two, two. Interchangeable White Ladies. Inter- interchangeable. In- interchangeable. White Welcome to the Interchangeable White Ladies Podcast. I'm Hope. I'm Annie. Today's essential question is how do we make sense of the world in which we presently live? No, really, how? We need some ideas. Today's episode is brought to you by baking soda. Baking a cake? Reach for that arm and hammer. Making a volcano for a science fair or to clean your bathtub drain? Mix that bicarbonate with white vinegar and witness the captivating effervescence. Protesting police brutality in a major American city where a curfew has gone into effect without enough time to safely leave and all public transit has been shut down to make it easier for fully militarized police to corral a large group in order to subdue them with tear gas and rubber bullets and you've breathed in tear gas, which is banned in war because it's a chemical weapon. Skip the milk. That's for pepper spray. Reach for that handy bread soda. Mix it with some water and rinse your skin, taking special care to avoid your eyes, which should only be rinsed with water to avoid scratching your corneas. Baking soda, a true workhorse. I feel like I've already learned so much in this podcast, and we just got started. We could do honestly, we could do a whole episode about baking soda. There's like a, it's very, it's very versatile. Uh, we can bring baking soda back up. I mean, baking soda might be our guest today, really considering the topic we're going to get into. True, true enough. Um, so we, it's just us today, just you and me. Just Doug. the two of us and Doug. Just we can and make Doug. it if we try. Just the two of us and Doug. And you Doug. and I and Doug. And Doug. Yeah. Um, yeah, we want to talk about some things that are happening in the world. There's a lot of things happening in the world. Um, so, yeah. Where do we start, Hope? Um, well, I think we just jump right in and we start with probably the most important thing, I think, right now. Um, and if you don't think it's the most important thing, um, I question some things about you, but again, I don't want to question. I don't want to um, value check people, but at the same time, um, we want to talk oh, about I mean, the. I'd, I'd like to value check. People. <laughs> we want to talk about the George Floyd murder um, that happened eight nine days ago. I'm losing track because in Abu Dhabi it's like the day after, so May 25th um, in Minneapolis. As pretty much, unless you've been living under a rock, you know um, that George Floyd was murdered by the Minneapolis police. Um, Andy, even, you if you, Gabes, even if you've been living under a rock, you heard about it because listen, this is like affecting every, every place. Like I live in a po-dunky kind of suburb and we had multiple protests over the last few days. If you haven't, mm-hmm. you heard about this if you're under a rock, like this is really, and if you haven't, please get some information because you really, uh, you know, not everyone is saturated with like internet um, news the way some of us are, or like TikTok, like I currently am, which is actually one of actually a very valuable source of news because people post like videos just of what's happening to them in during protests, and it's very mm-hmm. um, as weirdly controls that controlled as it is by the Chinese government. It's also pretty democratized. Like there's a lot of stuff published that you just see, and it's just people living their lives. Um, so yeah, we're seeing because of social media, because of um, the exposure we have to the world, like we're seeing this happen, we're seeing it unfold in real time. Mm-hmm. Well, I think um, one of the things that makes this case different um, in the last few years, um, there's obviously been more cases that are coming up because of the ability to film um, this case. Like straight up, you can watch a live murder, which I'll, I'll be honest, I have not seen. I've not. I ref, I can't. I can't watch the whole thing. And I know many people that have or um, say that we sh- that people should right face those things. Um, obviously I've seen some of the images and stuff coming out, but it's just interesting, um, that this time and place in terms of the way that media is working to help people see what is going on and, and highlight the problems that we have in the United States. Absolutely. Yeah. And I think like, um, something to respond to what you said about, um, the video itself, that there are, 
I've heard of educators, you know, trying to do the right thing and um, talk to their students right now during distance learning because hello, excuse me, this still, we're still in the middle of a global pandemic for coronavirus. Like this, we're, you know, this is, you know, this is intersecting with other issues, public health issues right now. Um, But, um, but the fact that, you know, whether or not you expose yourself to that violence, um, you should have, you should have, use your discretion, right? Because like, the girl who filmed that was 17 years old. You guys, I like yeah. 17 years old, right? And she has that trauma of filming someone's murder. Right? So like seeing it, you don't have the choice to not understand it. But like watching that video from start to finish is not something you need to necessarily do. Um, um, but I, you know, just a caution to folks to like, when if people are choosing to see that or view it, um, let them do that in their own time at their own pace. Mm-hmm. I heard mm-hmm. educators who are trying to, talk to their students via distance learning about what had happened and wanted to show the video of this man of George Floyd being murdered. And like, big no, no, don't do that. Like that's that, a that's shame bell right there. Yeah. And I don't have it handy, but like it is, that is a thing that is, I don't even have a yeah. small bell like you ring, but that's yeah. Ding, ding. That's like not, that's not good. So no. And I feel like if you don't realize how bad that is and particularly um, I think about white teachers, right. I've seen white teachers. It, I just, I, right. I don't want to comment on the other, but like as a white teacher, like what are you doing? Right. That's not yeah. helpful for anybody, as you just said. And it's really overstepping the line. Um, yeah. Just too much. Um, I mean, one of the things I think about this particular case, this reminds me, um, and not just in the sense of being murdered, um, but just in terms of people's, uh, I don't want to use the word awakening, but in terms of stirring up what's happening in revealing, um, some of the gaps that we have in our society, revealing, just shining mm-hmm. some light on just the piles of doo-doo, right. That our country like yeah. is built on. You know what? You know what is so interesting about that? There's hmm. two sides of it, right? There's two sides of it. There's one side of it where people are like, very practical like hey the systems are broken and people are starting to understand that the systems are broken because we can see evidence of it every day that they're broken mm-hmm. especially that in this area this area in this area do you see it now and people are like oh i see it now right like they're yeah. right, it's a very practical yep. but the other side of that is like woo woo people being like oh it's we're in the everything's in capricorn and then we're entering the next age of aquarius and so everybody's like oh it's just <laughs> what about this okay so no, no like all of the all, all maybe of the astro- i'm living under a rock over here oh no all of the uh, amateur astrologers are, ta- are talking about how it's like we're entering this new phase of like what? revolution and it's like okay cool that new phase of revolution in the last age of aquarius didn't stick so could we like talk about that maybe like um i mean like you know what i'm talking about i mean like you know the age of aquarius the like yeah yeah but i just like i haven't heard about, this theory like, at all that's why i'm just like what yeah, no, it's like this whole astrological like um, explanation. But you guys, we don't need an astrological or like spiritual explanation for what's happening. Like right. you can yeah. like what's ha- what's literally physically happening. Yeah, yeah. It's, and if it, it makes it, you it, feel, it, if it makes you feel better to like check your horoscope right now, like be it by all means, you know. But like just like yeah. sorry, I totally collapsed. <laughs> no, I just I just, I just I'm so a lot blown of that. away. Like what the shit. Well, the stuff that people that. are fixated on is like wild to me. I mean, I was yeah. thinking about how for some, I have, I've been teaching the book Citizen um, for the last couple of years. And in that book, there's this powerful page um, that some of you have probably read where it just lists all the different people that have been killed by police officers. And that mm-hmm. pa- every iteration of that book, there's, um, there's, that's the only page that's changed is how the story goes. And yeah. I believe it um, from the publishing company. And what it does is it adds more names to it, right? And so if you look at right. older versions, there's fewer names and then it just keeps going. And certainly it's not everybody that's been, it's not all inclusive, obviously. Um, But I I think about this case for some people that I'm seeing kind of waking up to what's happening in America and and waking up to police brutality and waking up to the reality that black people have been living for centuries, right? Um, It's it's kind of think, I think about it like in terms of, you know, for some folks it was Trayvon Martin. And I think for me, like I could go back to thinking about that case, maybe further like Hurricane Katrina, but not the same, not the same thing in terms of an aggression. Um, Mike Brown for some people, right? And Ferguson, that was an awakening for them. Philando Castile, um, the same summer with Alton Sterling, right? Freddie Gray. I mean, I think about these different, different people, um, who, you know, started those, those from their deaths, people started having conversations. But then as we see now, like it's still the same conversation. I, and I'm, I'm wrestling with, is it the same conversation or is the conversation changing? And are there more people waking up? Right. And and then also like, like, are we in echo chambers? Because I just had 
just started seeing, and I don't know if it was some algorithm on in my Twitter or whatever, but all this stuff today about police reform and like um, about like, and maybe it's just because it's been in the news because the Minneapolis police department just announced that they're going to defund their police department and focus on like a community-based like, like law enforcement solutions because they're not, their police current system's not working. Right. And so like, okay, like, I don't know if that's because it's in the news or if it's because, but that's not something that we've talked about seriously before. Major. No. C- well, and the only reason that they're even declaring that, the only reason they're even declaring that is because of the pressure, right? Because of protesters, yeah. because this is across the country, because protesters are yeah. there day in, day out, and demanding change and asking for change, asking and demanding for change, yeah. demanding change, right? Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. One of the, I, go yeah, ahead. No, I, no I was thinking even like some of the um, some of the podcasts I've been listening to and just some of the conversation around, you know, what's going to make real change. Right. So the pressures that people have put on to the Minneapolis police. OK, I'm, I didn't even hear what you just said. I mean, today's June 5th and I had in, in Abu Dhabi and I hadn't seen is is it June 5th there. I'm why do I get so lost? Yeah, it's, Ju- it's June 5th in the morning. Yeah, that's when we're recording. So um, yeah. thinking about the time constraints, like I hadn't even seen that part about the Minneapolis police in terms of defunding, right? And I know we're going to spend a fair yeah. amount of time today talking about um, defunding the police and like what does that entail? Um, but it's just, I just keep thinking like what's it going to take, right? And it shouldn't be more deaths. It shouldn't be more black people being killed. That's, yeah. That shouldn't be it. So, you know, what what is it going to take? I don't know, Annie, what do you think it's going to take? I mean, it's going to take a lot of, of white people getting up off their asses and getting out the door because I, you know, I think that the biggest changes in white, white dominated institutions are going to come from pressure from other white people. It's not, not, it's not enough for, for black Americans to stand up and say, Hey, we're being murdered and we need you to stop. Um, Because obviously they're not being listened to. Right. So it's like, if the folks who have, power, um, and not just positional authority power, privilege power, right, are mm-hmm. using that in a way that's actually helping, you know, make progress in terms of mm-hmm. uh, reducing police violence, right, um, and if that's what it takes, it, yeah, I mean, like, it's going it, to, massive mobilization, and not just from, not just from people of color, and not from black people, the black community, like, it has to be from everyone, and you kind of are seeing that, I mean, like, I don't know if you've been seeing some of the folks who have showed up for the protest. Yeah. Amish, yep. The Amish came, they're all white, but they, the Amish, they don't come for shit. They showed up, they're like, yeah, we're, we're here. We rode into yeah. town with our buggy into Minneapolis to protest. And then there's like the yeah. witches showed up yeah. and they're like hexing everyone. And then, um, bringing like, uh, who else showed up? Uh, oh, K-pop, K-pop stands oh, yeah. showed up. This They're just like, like a scrambling, scrambling the like, police, like air, um, airwaves with K-pop, like, like fan videos and like, you guys, like, this is not, it's not just, it's bigger now, right? And so mm-hmm. I, um, and for all those folks who were showing up before, kudos, right? Like, you are, yeah. you know, but, like, keep doing that work. But, like, look at the mobilization of people who maybe have never gotten up off, off the, you know, couch or whatever and are like, oh, mm-hmm. shit, like, I got to go. Like, this is very, this is important, right? Mm-hmm. And so, that, yeah, totally. Right. One of the things I do feel like is slightly different um, from what I'm seeing in on the socials is some middle of the road, like I would argue milk, milk toast, all the puns intended, um, conservative white people that are posting about it. Right. So like and they're actually for once taking a stand. And it's very interesting to me because I, I find like in the past, those people have been either silent about things or have been very much like all lives mattery. And I, as much as I'm like, yo, it's a day late, a dollar short and another person dead. Like that's ridiculous. I also think to myself, okay, they're moving on this trajectory. Like maybe we can actually get real change then because it's not like, I don't, I'm still having such a hard time wrapping my head around. Like, why is it radical to say that it's not okay to kill somebody? I just, and it's like, and it's not okay for police to kill somebody. You're supposed to right. supposedly there to protect, which we can interrogate that whole thing later anyway. Da 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 yeah. da Whatever mission statement you got, like, how are we still arguing that the humanity of a person, right? right. A black and here's my here's here's the other issue is as an educator, I'm like definitely yes, you do that. You you it you learn, mm-hmm. learn some stuff. Like go learn harder. Yeah. Peter, I'm like all about that. That's amazing. And then on the 
other hand, I'm like, what took you so damn long? Like, yeah. why are, why did it take you this long? Exactly yeah. what you said. Recognize people's humanity and to respect them and to just be, I don't, what took so long, right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Why is why is white supremacy still normalized in institutions like police departments? Yeah. Like, because white supremacy, <laughs> like the only answer to this is white supremacy. It's like in Sunday school it was like, you always just shouted Jesus. Cause like, that yeah, was the answer for everything. Jesus, like, Jesus. Jesus, right? No, like, broken white supremacy. Why is exactly, there still racism? Yeah. White supremacy. Why are, you know? Yeah. The other thing I find um, kind of wild and this and this ties back to some of the conversation we've had a little bit around COVID um, is just making something political. I'm, I'm kind of a two minds. Like on the one hand, I do believe I think everything is political. Right. But then on the other hand, I'm like, why are you making something political that it's just about human life? And in this case, the same thing with the pandemic, like people who are trying to, that's not how it's uh, talked about in in the rest of the world. It's like, it's, this is a, this is a health crisis. COVID's a health crisis, right? Why did we, why did we politicize, why did we politicize like the stay, like the stay home orders as like, this is against your, like no one else in the world is having that conversation. Not at all. Yeah. And we are somehow, we have guys in AR-15s being protected by the cops, marching on our Capitol, demanding haircuts. I'm like, I don't really understand how this is like, Mm -hmm. this is not. Like, how is, why is that politicized? Why is your hair mm-hmm. political? You know what you can do real quick and easy? Even if you want to keep supporting cut Amazon, your hair, I don't necessarily recommend. Get Order some clippers on Amazon. Cut your own damn hair. Yeah. You know what's the yeah. worst thing that could happen? Yeah, it looks bad. Yeah. For a short time. That's the worst thing that can happen to you. That's Stop the posting worst. pictures on the internet then with your ugly haircut. Like, move on. It'll be yeah. cleaned up in a month after yeah. quarantine. Exactly. Or, or, or as an educator, I would encourage you to learn. Go watch some YouTube videos. Mm-hmm. Like, don't be a white supremacist chode and march on our capitals with your raggedy ass hair, um, complaining and politicizing something that is doesn't is not shouldn't be politicized, and the things that should be politicized get ignored. That's amen. That's big crap. That's yeah. big crap. Yeah. What do you what are your thoughts on um so actually a couple things I want to bring up. One, I wanna um talk a little bit about something I heard recently on one of our other channel two five three podcasts. The What Say You podcast is amazing. Uh, if you haven't listened to it yet, episode 18 is entitled Unapologetically Black. And in that episode, um there's a long conversation about just the notion of what kind of white people we need for this time, right? And so they harken back to, I don't know if anyone's familiar with whiteaccomplices.org, but just the notion that we have kind of three types, right? The actor, the ally, and then the accomplice and just kind of unpack. Mm -hmm. First of all, the way they unpack it is hilarious. Um, But then I was also thinking, you know, what do you think about the way that people are responding? Um, Have you seen some examples that you feel like are really strong? I mean, can you comment on that at all? Or do you feel like there's a lot of performative, like wokeness happening around these issues? I think it depends. Like I was on Instagram, I think corporations, it's kind of a split, right? So like I'm on Instagram and I follow, you know, the Patagonia, the clothing company. Yeah, it's very Northwest of you, Annie. Yeah, right. Being on brand there. So they're actually really socially responsible. They Mm -hmm. don't use sweatshop labor. They're very like, um, they're very like pro workers. Like they're very like um, sustainable and how they- I wish they could sponsor our podcast because then this would be an ad right now. Yeah, right, exactly. (laughs) And in the past, they've also posted stuff um, when it wasn't like hot or sexy about like environmental racism. Like they're very Mm. kind of in tune with like things that are really important. And they've been posting and I'm like, and I'm like, ah, yeah, like Patagonia supports Black Lives Matter. Like, and I kind of believe them because they have this history of like actually like- how they're supporting these like organizations that are helping black people experience the outdoors right and i'm like yeah totally i yes you're the real ones patagonia and then there's companies that you're like like hmm i don't really believe you you know like i'm trying to give a really good example like i kind of think like i got one go ahead please (laughs) so a friend of mine was telling me that she generally scrolls her instagram like on sunday mornings at a certain time and it tends to be you know a lot of women with their dogs and their kids fine Mm -hmm. Um, but she was saying that Nordstrom tends to send targeted ads at that time and, and Nordstrom had a black lives matter ad just like, boom out there, right. In the middle of like suburban, whatever, mom, such and such. That was really interesting to me. That's a, that's an interesting example. Um, I've seen, well, Ben and Jerry's has always been spicy, but like Ben and Jerry's Twitter is like awesome. Like it's been phenomenal. Um, Yeah. They're, they're great. Also, I had, and they have a dairy-free ice cream right now called Netflix and Chilled. Like you guys, right. it's so, like 
Netflix and chilled. It's an almond milk base. It has crushed up pretzels in it and brownies. Like, don't even talk to me until you try some. Okay. Um, so okay. Good. Um, but like, Again, no, yeah, Ben and Jerry's that like actually like it has been doing stuff for years and they like actually yeah. are trying. Right. You know, um, I even got an, I even got an email from Airbnb, like Airbnb was sending out, like, we support George Floyd's family where this is a horrible, like travesty, da, 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 da. And I'm, and so I'm sitting here like the more, every time I get one of these emails, right. I'm kind of wrestling with that notion of like, good it matters right you need to be saying yeah. something and i'm really glad you're saying something and then the other part of me is like is this just performative wokeness and then i'm like okay but is this a step in the right direction and i don't know i just keep wrestling kind of going back and forth yeah um, and see i'm not see i'm not sure where the line is i think if it's like crest toothpaste you're like oh okay you know but <laughs> right yeah and then also like airbnb kind of kind of weirds me out because they're they're such a such a hand in like um gentrification of like rural communities and like coastal communities yeah. like they're kind of they're kind of messy mm-hmm. like they're Mm-hmm. gross like mm-hmm. and they don't handle customer complaints very well and people have been having issues with like getting um harassed and like mm-hmm. I, their, their business model is a little um a little uh a little weird but like i um because well, goes- you know stuff well so it's one of those things it's like but mm-hmm. is your education like hurting communities like mm-hmm. like mm-hmm. so then you kind of you have to balance it out like i hear what you're saying and maybe all of your employees maybe all of your employees yeah to this thing and you're like yeah we totally feel really strongly about this but that's not what your message says your message mm-hmm. isn't our employees are behind you what your message says is our company supports black lives matter right. um so what does that mean like mm-hmm. how are you concretely and some companies are like hey we're helping concretely by taking all the proceeds to benefit this bail fund right like there's this right. um yep this clothing company based out of california i think it's moku yobi i follow them on instagram another instagram company um and they have um, just like really sweet, goofy clothes and like fanny packs and like fun prints. And a lot of them are like inspired by like Japanese pop culture and they're really fun. Um, and they they had a 48 hour period where they're donating all of their online proceeds to, I think it was a bail funder, Black Lives Matter. Mm-hmm. Like, like mm-hmm. it was like rad. Like they're, oh, you're actually mm-hmm. that money. Like, and a lot of people bought, like stuff was sold out. Like people were going on their website, buying stuff up and like that money went something you know instead of just posturing mm-hmm. we we support you but um that's it right like how far does yep. it go i guess is the question well right yeah exactly so thinking about i mean back to what the ladies were saying uh is just even that like is that to me part of that's very much actor right and then yeah. i think about okay how does that move into allyship right and so i i do think people are trying to be allies um and that is a good step in the next direction, right? Um, one of the comments about allyship is just like you have some, you have more than one black friend, right? <laughs> you have maybe some relatives. You, you know, you're 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 trying to do some action, right? And so I think about like, I mean, this last week was Blackout Tuesday, right? I don't know if you have any thoughts about like even that. I and I was t- kind of talking to some other white folks about it and just kind of wrestling with the notion of like, okay, here's something that you can do fine mm-hmm. but then there was then right afterwards right one of the impacts was that it was blocking a lot of really good messages so then people started saying yeah. hey you know please change your hashtag please be aware of this thing um and then people started adapting right but i had a couple of friends who were like well i don't understand i feel like i'm getting mixed messages and i'm like no you just gotta adapt with the times like people no, here's, idea. Here's, fine you do something and then move you know forward the, but i did you know what, go ahead yeah you know what the mixed message was the mixed message was all of my white friends on instagram told me to black out my instagram oh uh-huh. and black out your Instagram and then yep. all the black folks I follow on Instagram were like please don't use the hashtag black lives matter because yep. it's burying content that's actually important for people to see and resources for people to see yep. so if you're just doing this for yourself to make yourself feel good about participating then don't do that yep. and yep. I, I don't know the mixed message to me there who, who comes out on top of that messaging the black community telling you please don't do this thing yeah yeah. Because you're harming our Yes, cause. yeah. And that's so when you have to, that's yeah. when you listen, I feel like. You have to listen. Right. Yeah, exactly. And then, you know, there's these folks on Instagram who are like posting about, you know, the the kind of conscious one, folks who are like, you know what, I realize that um, things are really crazy right now here, donate to this bail fund, and also here's a picture of my puppy, right? Like, that's like mm-hmm. a Instagram where you're like, yeah, okay, I can get behind that. But then the people who are like, I'm on vacation in Bali and I'm having a blast and the sun's so great and I don't care about racism. Then you're like, baby, please don't do that. And I haven't, mm-hmm. I haven't unfollow anyone yet, but 
I know. I'm like, I feel like this is you're speaking truth uh, from a real life experience here. No, I just have seen like the stuff, you know, the, like the recommended for you when you search uh, yeah. platform, not just Instagram, but any platform where you search, it's like here recommended for you. And like, I go on the recommended for you page and it's all female soccer players and like, you know, um, you know, lesbian folk music. And I'm like, I don't really, you know, I don't really yeah. right now about that. Your Instagram suggestions are so different than mine. Yeah. Mine were very different. Um, very different. But my, but then I click on somebody like, okay, Brandy Carlisle, lesbian folk musician. Then you click on her profile and she's been, all she's been talking about for the last week is Black Lives Matter and supporting the cause and like donating to charities and donating to bail funds. And you're mm-hmm. like, yeah. So then somebody had to dig a little bit deeper to see what people are actually doing, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, and I, I had that same, like all the suggestions were coming out and I was like, okay, hope, like, what are you going to do then? Right. Like you can't just repost this. You need to do some of this stuff that's listed here right so I started just going by myself like going through doing the things trying to do it I messaged a couple of friends we started talking like what else can we do that's authentic action right and so in thinking about you know as you're moving on this like trajectory for some white people this is brand new right and they're starting yeah. it's the first time they've watched a black movie and read a book by a black person I'm laughing because it's so stupid and ridiculous but it's also what's 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 true well, right is, and so I'm like is, pull you along on that trajectory and it's some of those steps you and I took a long time ago. And so yeah. it feels like, yeah. are you not there with me? And then you're like, oh, mm-hmm. shit, you don't live in my head with me. Mm-hmm. You mm-hmm. aren't there yet because you're not there yet. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah. For me, that's just yeah. like a, a, a lesson in like perspective taking because I I saw people on Twitter who were really excited to watch the documentary 13th for the first yep. time. Yep. 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 I watched that film right when it came out because I was like, yep. Good move, good film, and it's incredible. Yeah. And some people are watching that for the first. Can you imagine yeah. watching it now for yeah. the first time? Yeah. Yeah. And how blown your mind would be! Just oh my mm-hmm. god, yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. yeah. I'm really, I am really glad for like the sources that are coming out in terms of, you know, follow this or read this if you want to be anti-racist. And it seems like there's a lot of, and again, like we're in certain kinds of bubbles, but I, I do think there's some people that are seeing that for the first time and looking at these sources. And I, I do want to recognize like, yeah, like you said, we're all on a journey and we're all like trying to push ourselves forward. Um, But one of the things I keep thinking about is like, how do you then, you know, you have to keep that momentum and you have to keep doing things for your to like deal with your own institutionalized or inter sorry internalized racism right um and then yeah. how do you then do something outwardly <laughs> right how do you see what collectively is being done in your community well, yeah. and in your neighborhood and join those forces right you don't have to start a new organization that's not what we're saying and in fact one of the things that the Cunningham sisters talk a lot about um in that that episode is is like getting behind white people getting behind organizations that are led by people of color and and following yeah. all following their lead yeah, absolutely. And I think like, um, that's a big, that's a big piece is like listening to people of color and their experiences and, you know, following what they're, what they're saying. Um, because listen, people of color who are, who are doing the work, they're not going to lead you astray. They're not getting, they're not, they're not taking you down a dark, like a, a, a scary path. They're, th- this is a, this is a path of, of, en- of kind of enlightened thinking about how we do better in America. It's yeah. not like, I think what is scary for folks is that it's like, it's unknown. Oh, I've never experienced this before. And I'm experiencing this for the first time. It's almost kind of like, you know, the experience of like going through adolescence where you're, mm, figuring mm-hmm. more, right. People are having that as adults right now. Mm, that's a great comparison. America, yeah. Right. Where they're having this coming of age about race in America at 40, they're having a coming yeah. age about yeah. race in America at, you know, 50. And that is scary. And it's like yeah. off a huge scab of yeah. like gross decades of like, um, the way you think about the world is ripping mm. your, mm-hmm. so like, you know, the, I think it's great advice to follow and listen to people of color who are doing the work. And, um, you know, also like in, in smaller ways, like contri- like following and supporting black creators on platforms that you already use. Right. And so like, um, patronizing black businesses, right. Yep. Um, you know, those are small ways to help. I know that some folks are not ready to go march in the street. I understand, completely understand that. So what you can patronize the black business, you can support them, right? It, it starts small if that's what it takes, but like that, you know, that's, that's it. Like just keep saying yes to thing positive interactions that you're having right in the community with your neighbors who are black and people of color, like indigenous and like, don't turn away from that experience. Right? Mm-hmm. And it may be uh, a, what, no go. 
oh, just it might be a soft open for some people. It mm-hmm. might ease into this, right? And that's what it takes. But like, don't say no. Don't say no to it. Like, just say yes to it. And I think about like I brought, had brought to my attention, um, and this kind of is really interesting for me, kind of thinking about my own evolution and my own thinking. Because if anyone listening thinks that we are done doing this work, you are sad, oh hell no, yeah, sadly mistaken. I will be I will be working on this until on my deathbed, whenever, hopefully not anytime soon. But um, yeah, there are multiple times this week I'm like trying to be a good ally or accomplice, and I'm like say something, and then I'm like pretty sure I just messed up right there. Like reflect, figure out what to do. Yeah. 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 You can, yeah. you can easily mess up and you just got to dust yourself off and try again. You know, I was thinking about my, my thing this week that I've been really thinking a lot about is um, police reform. So like mm. uh, a friend, one of my friends on Instagram posted about, I've heard about um, eight can't wait. Yes. Yeah. I've seen Megan Rapino. Yeah. Yeah. Megan Rapino posted. Yeah. That. I've seen, I started, I saw it with her first. Do we want to take a quick break and then let's come back and talk about the eight? Yes, absolutely. This is Nate Bowling, Alaska Air MVP and host of the Nerd Farmer podcast. There are three places I call home right now. The first is Tacoma, OBS. The second is Abu Dhabi, where I'm teaching for the next two years. And the third place I feel like home is on board an Alaska Airlines flight, sipping on Northwest beer and watching free movies. When you spend as much time on an airplane as I do, you come to appreciate the finer things that Alaska Airlines provides. It's because at Alaska, customer service comes first. I see it in all the little details that make the experience of flying better. Free messaging and free movies on select flights, and of course, that signature fruit and cheese plate. When I fly, I don't even look at the travel sites. I go straight to alaskaair.com and book. Thank you, Alaska Airlines, for your longtime support of Channel 253. So we're back. Um, eight can't wait is uh, part of campaign zero. Um, eight can't eight the number eight can't wait.org. And they have these suggestions for, um, for, for folks to reach out to their local, their cities, municipalities about reforming their local police departments. And it's not, this is not a like abolish the police department, which um, has its own place in a different, um, you know, depending on, you know, where you live or what, what your context is. But um this is for existing police departments that are not going to be defunded. Uh, these things that can that can make a huge difference. In, um, and what they what they're saying on eight can't wait that the these contribute to most deaths at the hands of police. So by eliminating or by doing these eight policies, you can we can decrease police violence by seventy two percent. So that would include banning chokeholds and strangleholds, requiring de escalation, requiring warning before shooting, exhausting all all alternatives before shooting, duty to intervene. Um, mm-hmm. Right. Uh, ban shooting at moving vehicles, establish use of force continuum and require all force to be reported. So it can't go unreported. And I think one thing on there that I've seen a lot of on Twitter lately is like to require de-escalation. Mm-hmm. So like a lot of nurses and social workers have been posting that they have more training in de-escalation than the police. And that yeah. they frequently, especially if they work in like a hospital setting, are are required to subdue people without violence and um listen like you can do that and also um it's it's possible um and someone mentioned like in a comment they were like well but nurses can like sedate people and i was like wouldn't you rather have someone be temporarily sedated by by someone in the street if they were if they were like a serious danger to someone else than to have murdered like let's just take a second and like understand like like the nurses the healthcare workers and social workers are trained in techniques to de-escalate and people without killing them. And it's possible. Mm-hmm. You can actually do it. So, mm-hmm. yeah. Not, you know I'm what? Nurses, saying, I'm, not um, that, I'm not saying that all police should have dark guns full of tranquilizers, but I'm saying, what I'm saying is that there are methods for de-escalation that don't result in people being murdered. Yeah. You know what nurses uh, and medics and doctors don't have that police officers have? Hmm. Lots and lots of uniforms and uh, really nice cars, patrol cars, and just, you know, lots of uh, fancy gadgets, right? I mean, think about the way that we've militarized our police and we've scaled up all their equipment that, you know, all these funds that have gone to that, right? Like, oh, you have to have this, you have to have this. And you're like, wait, they have, I mean, seeing some of the pictures coming out from the protests, like they ha- yeah. they're full on garb, like they're prepared for coronavirus and all that stuff. It's like, yeah. we couldn't even take care of our, our medical staff. Right. With well, this, and then and the, and we have this like there was this kind of this figure being thrown around the NYPD. They were thinking about cutting the NYPD budget by sixteen percent. 
You're like 16%. That doesn't seem like very much money. 16% of the NYPD police budget is $1 billion. That's wild. Yeah, that's wild. Like, I'm sorry. Like, I'm pretty sure it was a billion. I'm going to fact check myself because I don't want to lead you astray. But like, you guys, like that, like, it's like a stupid amount of money. Like, so that's a good way to think of it. Listen, you guys, I don't even know how that's possible in terms of like, like actual like money and like that, you know, and maybe that's inaccurate. Um, but it's not, I did not see one person say that. I saw multiple people saying that on mm-hmm. the internet. And mm-hmm. hey, you can fact check. I'm not trying to lie to people. Listen, I'm not trying to lie to you about this. Um, but I, um, I just, yeah, the fact that um, it's not just the, the, yeah, the um, New York City Police Department preliminary budget, um, NYPD, their total budget, $78.5 billion. I don't even know how that's possible. Like, I don't even know so, how much a billion is. So like, I don't like, like, I'm, yeah. not, even, I'm not even joking. Yeah. Like how, how much that's insane. So like, like I, the fact that like, not only is decommissioned military equipment given to police departments, police departments have this absurd amount of money and absurd mm-hmm. amount of money, a lot of it. Yeah, sure. A lot of it is salaries and pensions. A lot of it's salaries and pensions in a city like New York that hires like a jillion people in their police department. Yes salaries and pensions but like not all of its salaries and pensions some of it's mm-hmm. hey here we got our pallet of tear gas delivered today mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. No? well and like, i think this is to we got to acknowledge right like we're both very pro-union here and one of the things i've been reading and learning about is just like part of the issue with police reform and change is the is the police union, right? And so I'm going to be very, like, intentional about, yes, pro-union, right? At the same time, um, there's also reforms that needs to happen. And I think my only comparison is, like, in a teacher's union, you can get active and you can get involved and you can make change. And, like, we were both building reps. Like, we've done some of that work, right? And we see, you know, our own union growing from within, right? And from some of the pressure from without, I think, to try to make it a better, more professional union and better for kids and better for teachers and working conditions. Um, And so I wonder, you know, I'm thinking about that with police and, and just thinking about, that's just like, I don't know, the whole apple and barrel comparison, but I'm just like, it's just like a rotting yeah. barrel. And so like, I'm trying to wrestle with both like being pro-union and at the same time going, this is part I, of the problem. That's why change can't happen yeah, in many regards. I'm hearing, I'm hearing what you're saying. And I think about that kind of the parallel is that like in a teacher's union, if you use um, an excessive amount of force compared to what your job normally is for a teacher, job normally for a teacher, no use of force, right? On children, yeah, yeah, ever. yeah. Okay. If yeah. you ever go into a territory yeah. of using force, I'm talking not just physical, I'm talking like verbal abuse to children and things like that. The union is obligated to provide you with legal assistance, but they will not protect you in court right. if right. found to be guilty of abusing children, period. Yep. Get out. Yeah. Oh, yeah. the, pol- the yeah. kind of the parallel thing in police, like the like at minimum, at minimum, you would expect that like if the stated purpose of police is like, law and order or to protect the public or serve and protect or defend the public interest or uphold the laws, right? That you, that you would be able to do that without blatantly murdering people. Like you could mm-hmm. hold the law without mm-hmm. murdering someone in cold blood. hundred mm-hmm. percent. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. And so like, and if you can't do that, then that you shouldn't be in that profession if you can't do that. And exactly. And so why are the police unions using their legal resources to protect murderers? Yep. Right. Yeah. Our, our union, do you know how fast a teacher's union, if you were found guilty and there was evidence, how quickly the teacher's union would be like, we're not, back, we're not behind you. We will mm-hmm. give you because you are you're legally entitled to or you're entitled to that based on our like bylaws and your inclusion in the union, but we will not support our back. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Right. And that's so police I, unions need to do the same thing. They can't be supporting, propping, backing up, yeah. committing murder. So where are you on the like defund police and abolish the police? Like there's a lot of hashtags around that and just some really good articles well, that are coming out and some calls. I'm curious what you think about that. I've been having a few conversations this week with some. It's folks. a really it's a really interesting concept. If we are if we have the political will and the um, the interest in seeing a lot of other systemic issues addressed um, and it won't happen overnight, but I think, I think it makes sense to shift a lot of um, 
you know, public safety resources into places that are more effective at promoting public safety. So what I mean by that is like, if 90% of calls to 911, 90% of calls to 911 are, are non-violent. A lot of people call 911 because they're yeah. attacked. They call 911 because their neighbors are being loud. They call 911 because there's someone suspicious on their property. They, you know, just kind of lurking around, right? They call 911 because they don't call 911 because they're actively, they're actively witnessing violence, for example. Um, and so when those calls come, if 90% of those are like not emergent situations where someone's life is at risk, then 90% of those calls need to be referred to specialists who have more training in how to handle them. So like you mm-hmm. see, like, okay, maybe someone, and this is not, this is not an abstract. I'm talking like this happens in our community and it has happened in our community and it's ended with like really horrific results. Maybe someone's having a mental health situation in the middle of the street. Maybe they have something that could be right. Yeah. A weapon, right. Maybe they have like a broken off piece of like a, you know, a, a curtain rod or something and they're swinging it at people and they're blocking traffic. Do you need to subdue that person with violence to get them to stop blocking traffic and stop creating a safety risk for others? No, you don't. Right. Mm-mm. Well, that person, no, you don't. Right. Yeah. Like, who should respond in that situation? Yeah. Maybe it is somebody who's like big enough to like handle it. If someone comes at them, like, or is strong enough to handle that, but to subdue them without violence. Right. It's entirely possible. Mm-hmm. Yeah, like I don't if 90% of calls are are things that can be handled by social workers and like well-paid social workers, like you'll pay social workers as much as you pay the police, right? This is the thing, right? Like I feel like there's so much better use of money. And so like to shift over that money. So I'm I think I'm in the like defund the police camp, but I find myself sliding into even abolish the police camp, right? So I think about like I think about just what's the purpose? Like you listed some really good purposes, but I I feel like a majority of police forces, and I'm going to generalize here, are not meeting those criteria. Like they're not meeting what that was. And maybe years ago they were, and maybe I have some fantasy in my mind about like the beat cop, and I've watched a lot of The Wire where like community policing and, you know, whatever, like relational and, and this like ideal. But I don't think that that policing exists. Like maybe in rural like I can't even like maybe in rural America but again like we've the it seems like the police have gotten so far away from that that how can you go back right like how do you are yeah. you gonna have to change everything are you gonna you're gonna be have them be the mental health counselors now like if you're gonna do that but like that that shit ain't happening right you're just giving right. them more weapons and more anger right and more like they're the ones showing up and stirring up riots like they're the ones breaking things they're the ones pushing people yeah. down they're the ones like inciting violence right and creating these violent conditions and so part of me is just like is there any chance like I want to hear the reform narrative but then the other part of me is like is that possible I don't know but I also don't believe that fully defunding is possible either I don't know I'm skeptical about that or like abolish like I I don't think people will do that that's just I think that's where the political will piece comes in because people don't want they there are certain things they don't want to see gone they want to preserve the way they are because we change and so you know if you right it's 10% of the 10% of 911 calls that require some like intervention that is more serious, right? If someone's an active shooter, for example, like, yeah, you do want some way to handle that situation. And I don't know if that means the use of force on that. I don't know, because here's the thing. Mm -hmm. It depends on the situation. Like there was a guy and I don't know his name, but it was in the news a couple weeks ago, this white guy who killed two people and then fled Mm -hmm. this like Maryland and then drove over state lines and they were, he was in a high speed chase and then they caught him and they can, they contained him and they, he was fully armed and ready to shoot yep. and they yep. secured him and took him into yeah. custody. He was white. Would that what be, they didn't do was shoot him dead. They yep. did not shoot him dead in the street. And like, yep. seriously. So the disparity there is, is a racial disparity, right? And it's consistent. It's not like that one case. Oh, I extrapolate that one case to all white people at all times, but like that's a consistent no, it's right? time. And again, yeah, that's time a, again. And, and right, I'm like, how much an- I want anti bias training for the police and for everybody, please. But like, but yeah. time and again, like, is that going to make a di- Is that going to save black lives? And I, and black and brown lives, we can extend it too, right? Like, I, yeah. I have a hard time believing 
that it, it really will because of, of just the in, the rottenness of the infrastructure, right? And like you said, the, yeah. politi- the lack of political will. And it's like you have to have all these pieces together. I mean, even like um, there's still the narrative too that like, well, what about criminals? And I'm like, but the problem is the what about criminals is like this tiny percentage. Like what the police are really doing is all the rest of this stuff, which has nothing to do with like real criminals and right. just about hurting people. And well, and then um, like, like I saw this story, this woman was talking about that. She, she described the situation of why she became a domestic violence counselor. And she told it in kind of like this girl was 18. Her boyfriend was 26. He like, he raped her and she reported it. And there were witnesses to her abuse that happened over a period of time. And the police didn't listen. Um, when they came to like take her statement, they asked her if she was sure if that's actually what happened when they were in court, there was a restraining order, but it was um, basically lifted early because he was for good behavior or something. And then she's like, so she's like, basically I was never listened to by the police. They never, yeah. they never took any evidence, never took you know, the only reason that they got the restraining order at all is because the neighbors testified that, oh yeah, she had been like verbally abused by this person and we witnessed it. Right. And so, um, it was her, she was describing herself. She was telling her own story. She's like, that's why I became a domestic violence counselor. It was not someone abstract person. It was me. It happened to me. And she said that when she was a domestic violence counselor, the police didn't, she said she, I think it was like, she worked there for like 15 years that she never had police actually do anything meaningful to help her clients. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's no, they didn't do rape kits. If they did rape kits, they got shelved. Yeah. They didn't listen to them. They were dismissive. They said, are you sure you didn't want this? Are you kidding me? Like, yeah. Well, the pattern also like, and this kind of intersects in so many ways, all these things are intersecting. It's like very weird. How things are so connected. Right. And you think about like me too movement and people not being listened to part of that's police. The police don't listen. Yeah. hundred percent. Um, for those of you that are listening to Nerd Farmer podcast, um, they're for their book club, the Nerd Farm Reads Book Club. Um, they're reading Know My Name by Chanel Miller. And I just finished that book. It's incredible. And one of the things that I was really struck by is that she brings that up, right? She's like, there is this overlap between the Me Too movement and people not listening to sexual assault victims um, and targeting women, right, in particular. Um, and the overlap with the, the narrative around black lives and black lives not mattering in society. And she really digs into that in the book and, and I was I was shocked she even wrote it up honestly like I didn't that book took me took us so many places that I was like good for you yeah. like I, I just I was really impressed with how um, courageous that story is and and the way she wrote it too is incredible um, shout out Nerd Farm Raves um, there too but but you're right. Like all these things are overlapping. And one of the things I, I want to say too, like another reason, you know, this is like such an important time and moment is just like people are, you know, we're in the middle of a pandemic and people are, but this matters so much more than that. Right. Like that people are taking to the streets for that. Right. They're not on the streets because they want to get a haircut. They want you to open up their favorite Chick-fil-A, whatever it is. It's not why. Right. It matters because this is a life and death situation and we need to take it seriously and we need to actually do something well, and I about that, what's happening. Yeah. And I think, people are seeing it as an acceptable risk i'm willing to get sick either like yeah yep it is an acceptable risk because it's that important and whether or not that will prove to be the case or i don't listen i don't know we have no yeah. idea and i i feel like so horrible like this is so horrible that this is at even happening yeah. like all, all of the it protests together that is happened over awful. the weekend what's it gonna yeah. what's what are the numbers of coronavirus cases gonna look like in two weeks no one knows yeah. like no one knows what that's gonna be like but like the folks looked at the situation. They were like, this is too important not to go. I'm willing to risk getting sick. Um, I, yeah, that's a big deal. Yeah. Big deal. We probably should wrap up. Um, although there's like a million more hours we could talk about, I think with this, um, oh, man. I think, is I there think any other quick thing you want to say? This could just be like a four hour long episode with like, no, problem. yeah, we won't do that to Doug and our, all of our listeners. Doug wouldn't, One thing Doug, I, Doug, wouldn't, Doug wouldn't allow that. He'd be like, why are you still talking? I need to eat lunch. <laughs> One of the things I think I, I would want to add to is like in regards to police reform, whether it's defunding or um, abolishing. And like I said, I, we're all, we've talked a lot, like we're always growing, we're always learning. Right. So like at this current moment, I'm not sure where I stand. I think they are the problem predominantly. And I think defund for sure, but I, I and reform. Right. But I, I don't know where I'm at further than that. But one of the things I I think about is like, we have a hard time sometimes embracing something because we can't imagine it differently. Right. And I think that's part of the issue. Right. So like Minneapolis school board just ended their contract with the police this week with Minneapolis police. Amazing. Right. And they took that bold step that 
jillions of school districts probably should have taken and I hope will take next, right? But the, people can't, couldn't imagine that, well, you have to have police because these violent black and brown kids in these schools and that, that, that. It's like, how about you give them a counselor? How about you give them food? How about you do some other things and get rid of the popo and you don't even need, like, that's, they're, they're not needed. They just add this intensity. Even if you're trying to like build good relationships, that's not, yeah. it's and unnecessary, you know, like, listen, right? I've known, I've known some SROs who are nice people. And Great. Awesome SROs. Yep. Seeing their, seeing a human being, nice human beings. Okay, fine. Awesome. Yeah. Sidearm in a school yeah. thing. Yep. Yeah. Yep. Where there aren't supposed, there's a sign on the, on the goddamn door that says yep. are not allowed. Yeah. That's exactly, exactly. And we have to re, we have to imagine it differently and we have to look to countries where they're, they're dealing with it in a different way. Right. Like I think about in Europe and just Europe's response to guns and weapons and like whether their, their officers are armed or not armed. Right. And every country is slightly yeah. different. Right. In the UK, obviously no guns, but also their criminals don't have guns. Right. So I understand, I'm not like so ignorant to not say, well, in the U S it's a free for all. Right. <laughs> but it's also not like, who's the one who's the target of these, this police violence. And I think that's what we have to keep coming back to. Right. Um, In terms of like, how do we reimagine something different and how do we take the risk to be like, you know what, you know, these the the other, you know, other part of that is the power. Right. The police as the institution have power to, you know, back certain elected officials. Right. So it's like, how do we take that down? How do we reimagine what that looks like um, and and what's going to be next? Right. And I, I think that's the problem is there's just there's a lot of unknowns when it comes to that. Yeah. And I think that, I think one thing that we've learned from coronavirus is that, and I'm serious, I'm super serious that one thing that I don't like to take lessons from coronavirus because fuck coronavirus. I'm like so tired of this damn disease. Like just go away, like go, go away. Like we're tired of you, coronavirus. You're ruining stuff. I want to see my family period. But like, but coronavirus something that I've, I've learned is that, um, is, and this comes from a place of privilege too, because when you learn something from a deadly pandemic, um, that is, Hmm place of privilege period yeah yeah um but like the what i've learned is that um waiting for the unknown and basically staring into the void of like what the hell is going to happen we can do that and also think about the future in a different way that's Mm. and i think Mm -hmm. that's kind of how other people are feeling too which is like Mm -hmm. hey you know what if we can face down coronavirus which just completely put the pump like screechy brakes on everything and look at the future in a different way where like the economists are saying that some industries won't recover from coronavirus for another day. Yep. That we have to reimagine how we travel. We have to reimagine how we live our lives for a time, Mm -hmm. however long Mm -hmm. that is. Right. And come out the other side and our society is going to look different. Right. Then you can do that in other contexts. That's a general simple skill. You can look at the void and you can do that look into that void in other contexts you can look mm-hmm. in of the black heart the black rotting heart of police brutality and you can see a different outcome that mm-hmm. is so like take that take that ability to like imagine something being different and accepting something different and apply it elsewhere Mm-hmm. And it needs to be different for everybody too, right? Like yeah. it cannot just be like, oh, it's different. Like you mentioned privilege, right? It can't just be different for the rich. It can't be just different who for no. those who can pay for it, right? And then we're doing the same crap to all the same people who are, you know, our service workers, whatever, whatever, right. whatever, working class, so on, right? You cannot, it has to be, we have to imagine that differently for our highest needs community as well as, you know, the wealthy yeah. or whatever, that they'll all be imagine, fine anyway. Imagine, imagine prison different, imagine bail. Yeah, right. imagine courts different imagine everything different because that is what we're looking at now yeah it has to it has to be different whatever that looks like we don't know but that's coronavirus did coronavirus is like you want to see the future (laughs) i bet you fucking do and now (laughs) so um buckle up buttercup and then you're like two months down the road you're like but coronavirus what's going to happen and then the universe is like jokes on you not telling right um and that's You have to look at a, a future and it's okay to idealize the future because yeah. it's going to happen. So just idealize the future. And if it actualizes itself because of people's hard work and like trying to fix broken systems, rad. And if it doesn't, then um, at least some things will be better, right? Yep. yep. Effort and you tried and that's what matters. Yeah. Um, champagne, real pain. Champagne for my real friends, real pain for my champ friends. Yeah, real quick one. Uh, 
Okay, champagne. I just want to say champagne for the people that have uh, been putting the work, are doing the work, are showing up. I specifically, I know earlier you said, like, not to shame people who aren't going to protest, but I want to say, like, there's something about... Um, people put, putting their body on the line, and in particularly um, white people who have less to risk because of white supremacy, putting their body on the line. And I, I don't mean like I know coronavirus makes it complicated, and, and there's a lot of things on, involved in that. But I just want to say like those people who are doing more than just posting, which I'll admit like I, that's the current state I'm in, right, is a lot of it is about posting and then trying to figure out what else I can actually do from here, right? Um, but those people that are really, you know, putting the skin in the game, as they say, right, like doing and, and being consistent and having been consistent and will continue to be consistent. So um, whether that's white people out there and then of course all of the amazing um, people of color that have been doing this for, for a long time and have every reason to be tired and are sick and tired particularly of white people like and they still are going on and they're still helping white people learn um, and they're still like putting themselves out there and so just champagne for that yeah absolutely um, yeah oh, I don't have anything to add that's great okay great <laughs> uh, real pain Annie uh, just the, just police, the police right now, um, police, police brutality, police escalating situations when they walk up to peaceful protesters, police using tear gas, like tear gas is not allowed. Police pushing old people down on the street and then walking oh by God. them anyway while their heads are bleeding. Well, and um, then, and then assuming, assuming that there's not video of what happened and trying to lie and say that someone tripped when it's obviously they were pushed, like just, just stop, you know, just yep. And if you feel yep. threatened, like you need to beat on someone, um, take a deep breath, bro. Cause most of those folks who are protesting, they're not weaponized. They're not assaulting you. Yep. Just stop. And so the yep. police, I don't, it's probably not a lot of cops listening to our show, but. <laughs> All right. Uh, final segment. Do your fudging homework. Interchangeable. White ladies. So my homework right. is mm-hmm. uh, you should check out the Marshall Project. The Marshall Project has a specifically a uh, section on their website about police abolition um, or abolishing the police and how what that actually looks like. Because I think for a lot of folks, like imagining a place that doesn't have police is actually really frightening because they're like, oh, but who would solve the crimes and who would respond to your 911 calls? You want to call 911 and they'll hang up on you, right? Like that's not what that means at all. Actually, it's completely opposite um, that you actually get more specialized care and more attention um, when you have a police force that's more responsive to people's needs um, in the moment they're having a crisis. And so um, check out what they what they got. They got some good resources. They're actually like, an, the Marshall Project's kind of like an, it's not an aggregator because they select their, like their news, but they um, collect news stories about the policy issues that they care about. And then they have different sections on their website, but check out Police Abolition on the Marshall Project. It's named for mm-hmm. Supreme Court Justice Thurgood Marshall, um, which is you can go read about all about it on their website, but it's a, uh, it's a pretty cool resource and they put information all in one place. Um, so you can imagine what society would be like if we had a different model of community policing that was, mm-hmm. um, didn't rely on power dynamics of brutality. Mm-hmm. Awesome. I have a couple things. Um, one, I don't know why, but uh, I, we haven't done this before, but I just want to plug again, Melanie Denise Cunningham and Audrey Cunningham's What Say You podcast on channel 253. Um, go check out their show, listen, learn. I think especially those folks who are like, I really want to get more perspective from black people in America. And like, I just don't have any black friends. Well, they're not gonna be your friends, but you can listen to their podcast and get some real talk and <laughs> sort some of your ish out, right? Um, that's one. Thing two, I just started listening to this podcast. There's only three episodes in. It's called Higher Learning, and it's with Van Lathan, who used to do TMZ and a bunch of other stuff. A lot of you probably know who he is. Um, and Rachel Lindsay, who is her claim to, fla- claim to fame is that she was the only black bachelorette that would ever existed in 40 seasons, which is stinking wild. Um, and their show is amazing. Again, it's just phenomenal real talk. Like They had some amazing conversation about what's been going on, other things in the world, sports. Po- I mean, they cover a lot of different topics, um, and it's really powerful and interesting. Le- and, and ish- interesting listening to. And then I also want to recommend, um, and we'll link to this too, if you are familiar with Andrew Hammond, he's a writer for the TNT and he wrote a piece recently. Um, he's like 30 year old uh, black dude. And he said uh, his, his piece is called, I could have been a hashtag. And he just opens up and just talks about what does that mean to be a black man in America? It's a very raw and personal story. Again, like these are all people that like can open your eyes to something different. You know, you're not going to be friends with them. Don't expect them to like solve your problems and tell you how to not be a crappy white person. 
person, but like go listen and just do something different in that sense. And then I guess my other big homework and challenge is just we have to do something too, right? Beyond like educate ourselves 100%. And then what is your next step, right? Like a lot of people write like writing letters. So go write your letter to that mayor, go write your letter to that police station. I, I think in Tacoma, especially, we've got a lot of work to do around police brutality, about um, killing. I, I want to recognize Manny. We didn't even bring him up in this episode, right? His murder and just like the things that need to happen, the reform that needs to happen in Tacoma. There's much work to do in pretty much every one of our cities and, and towns. So really think about what else you can do to take that next step to, to be, um, to make this world better. And so people can just live and, and exist as a person of color, as a black person in America. Algamas, anything else, Annie? Doug? No, that's it. Um, thanks for listening to our show today, y'all. Uh, and we hope you go do the homework for real. Yeah. Bye. Bye. <laughs> Hey, y'all, don't forget to grab your copy of The Body is Not an Apology by Sonia Renee Taylor for our Read Less Basic book club. Follow the conversation on Twitter using the hashtag Read Less Basic. Interchangeable White Ladies podcast is sponsored by Alaska Airlines. We, we fly, fly Alaska. Alaska. Book your next flight on alaskaair.com. I guess that's true. You probably get some divas who are like, I want to do it again 60 times until it's perfect. Doug's like, only if you pay me. In big in big pay, pay me that sweet Bitcoin. Bitcoin. <laughs> the Interchangeable White Ladies Podcast is part of the Channel 253 network. Check out our other shows. Nerd Farmer, Citizen Tacoma, Crossing Division, Flounder's B Team, We Art Tacoma, and What Say You. This is Channel 253.